What's up, world? Welcome to My Dukes and Son. I'm Ziggy Blackwell. And I'm Jeanette Blackwell. And for this week's episode, we are not going to cover our traditional topics um, in the aftermath of the release of the Tyreed uh, Nichols video. Uh, we are going to fully concentrate on that topic and break it down. Um, so uh, as the mother of a son, um, the mother of a black son, um, this is a, a mom and son project. Mom, I really want to hear your thoughts um, after you watch that video as the mother of a black son. Well, first of all, I want to extend my condolences to the mother of Tyree Nichols and uh, his father and family uh, on the loss of their son. This could have been anyone's son. And it's so sad that uh, even after George Floyd, uh, we find ourselves in this situation again. Uh, this is just tra a tragic, tragic uh, turn of events. Um, what can we say? Uh, first of all, let's unpack this whole incident and how it unfolded. In uh, listening uh, to the uh, police chief, this traffic stop wasn't even necessary. Mm -hmm. And to have it uh, in with loss of life even makes it more tragic and unnecessary. I have to wonder what is the past record of these five police officers? Uh, what other arrests have they made? What are their complaint records? Because I can't believe that this is the first time they have just ganged up on an individual and beat them uh, within an inch of their life. And in this case, actually killed a young man. Mm -hmm. So I have to wonder uh, just uh, what is their record? What's in their police jackets? Um, before, because before I just we, can't believe that this is the first time that they've ever done something like this. What about the video struck you the most? Um, you and I text last night. Um, and my first response to you, mom, was, uh, my goodness. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. my, my goodness. My I goodness. mean, uh, um, I'm I was lost for words. Um, it, it just seemed like that they were out for blood. They were jackals out for blood that night. It, it, it seemed like they just said to themselves, we're going to find somebody and we're going to just let loose on them. And that, uh, that was that was the thing that so it, it, seemed, it seemed as though, you know, when they dragged him out of the car mm -hmm. and and as we all have rights. Yes. Regardless of what, what you did, if that person poses no threat to anyone, mm -hmm. the officers or any other surrounding 
uh, pedestrians. Since when is it okay to drag somebody out of their vehicle? Exactly. That was the first thing that like that got me. There was there point. was no there was no pose of like threat. There was no weapon. Um, mm -hmm. There were no threats that that he gave. So mm -hmm. go ahead, mom. You want to say something? Uh, uh, at the at, at the moment they pulled him out of the car, he was in compliance as he much was. as they would allow him to. But they kept up in the ante on this young man. Do this. Roll over. Get on your stomach. All the while making threats and calling him names and just the, the aggression the seemed profanities. to be higher and higher. There was no sense of de-escalation. The profanity. No sense at all. And they were so hyped up that they even tased and maced themselves. And what's so tragic about that is he was less than 80 yards from being home. Which is what he said. I'm just trying to go home. Another point of that. What is going on with the Memphis Police Department that people are afraid to come out of their homes when they see that many police cars in their neighborhood? You know what? Let, let no me, uh... pedestrians came out to see what is going on. And police cars after police cars after police cars converged on the scene and nobody came out of their homes. And, right. th and that disturbs me. That it says does. to me that there is a disconnect between the community and the police. When they see that, when they see that many police cars, they back off. Mm -hmm. They don't, I'm not, I don't even want to get involved. I don't even know. I don't want to know what's going on. And that's disturbing. It is. Had it not been for the overhead cameras, street cameras, catching all of this, this would have just been swept under the rug and we would have had only had the police body camera to uh, demonstrate what happened. Mm -hmm. We would have had to rely on the police body cameras. Right. So that you know, the other that, thing, the, uh, the other I thing about the, the other something there to to say about the disconnect between the community and the police, because I know in my neighborhood, if I hear that many police cars and I see that many police cars, I want to know what's going on. Is there a major, major offender on the loose that we need to be locking our doors, and you know, the police are not even knocking on doors saying that we got a a fool running through the neighborhood, secure, locked down, do this, keep yourself safe. None of that occurred. It's interesting. And one thing that I don't, I, I don't think white people can ever understand this situation. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm going to break this down in a second. I don't want to, I don't want to um, uh, cover this part of the, the topic this early, but one thing that white people can uh, uh, not just understand is how, Black men, we cover this in our minds. Mm -hmm. When we get pulled over, what should I do? Like, this is something that we cover almost as so, sort of like doing a homework assignment. You cover mm -hmm. steps. You're like, you're preparing for a test. That's what white people would never understand. We would never understand. We, we would never understand. The, when they we will are, never understand the talk. 
Yes. And we're going to get to that is how black men, as we 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 walk this through our head step by step, almost as though we are preparing for a test. Um, and before we get to the talk, mom, the other thing that uh, as we break down the video is when he called out for his mom. I talked to some of my my closest friends that I went to college with um, and also black men that um, I tutored um, and mentored in graduate school. And one thing I, I said is, you know, one as mutual black men, whenever we call out for our mothers, because we typically traditionally we hold our mothers to such a high regard and standard and everything. And when you hear a black man call out for his mom, that is his last line of defense. I need help. And when I heard that, when I heard that mom, it immediately struck, struck me. Um, what were your thoughts when you heard that? My thought is he was seeing his own death coming. When a, when a black man calls out for his mother, he is seeing his death. Yeah. He is in the valley of the shadow of death. There, that is where he is when he calls out for his mother. And any man, especially a black man, that's do, that does not feel that is a murderer. You know what? That, that they have murder on their mind when they hear another man calling out for his mother. Any man, black, white, brown, if you don't feel a sense of human kindness, you are a murderer. Yeah. Yeah. That that's that that also was something I reflected on is mm -hmm. um in this situation, these were black officers um beating on a black man. And the first thing I, I not the first thing, but one of the things I also thought about was damn, like you would harm your brother like that. You would harm your brother like that. When you when you hear him call out for his mother, it didn't make you pause to think about your mother. Exactly. You know, exactly. That's, that's, that, you know, that's what, you know, I can never imagine inflicting that much harm that's not self defense related, but I'm inflicting harm that's not self defense related against another black man. And nothing would cause me to pause, especially when that person yells out for his mother. I would immediately think, of my mother. I just, I, I, I can't understand that. Um, but I can't understand that either uh, than to say that these men are some type of gang. There's some, there, there's, there's some kind of click going on here it, within this police department. They all seem to be buddy, buddy yep. on the scene. They, 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 I noticed one thing I noticed is the way they backed each other up yep. and seemed to finish each other's sentences. He went yep. for so-and-so's gun. Yeah, yeah, that's right. He went for so-and-so's gun. And uh, he, he seemed like he was high on something. Yeah, 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 he was high on. He, 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 ooh, he, was, he was jacked up. Mm -hmm. They seemed to follow mm -hmm. each other to the letter. Yep. 
they, they they're calling it this uh this scorpion unit, which is um before we started recording, okay. mom, the latest the latest re release was this scorpion unit has been disbanded. Um, but apparently, like this was a unit, a special unit um, that mm -hmm. they defined as a scorpion unit. Okay. And do you have any other information about it? Because this is so new to me. It was, it was and created, this is probably it was, new to our viewers. Well, from, what is the well, scorpion unit? Well, uh, from what I've I gathered is um, it stands for Street Crimes Operation to Restore Peace. And mm -hmm. the entire objective of the scorpion unit uh, was to patrol high crime hotspots, places where there was uh, high violence, um, mm -hmm. um, car theft. That's okay. what I'm gathering. I'm, I'm not familiar with Memphis like that, but mm -hmm. the description was this unit was uh, created to patrol um, high crime spots. Okay. And is do we know if this area where this young man was stopped at is this one of the areas that they? I'm I'm not started? sure. I'm not sure because again, you know, I'm not okay. familiar with Memphis like that. I don't mm -hmm. know like the landscape and everything. Mm -hmm. uh, but um, it's uh, been said that this unit has been disbanded, um, okay. and they're no longer no longer going to continue with that um, that type of uh, law enforcement. Uh, but so we allocate enough time for this topic, uh, Ma, because you introduced it and I was prepared to talk about it. The talk. Mm -hmm. I want to I want to I want to shift into the talk mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. for our audience who may not be familiar with the talk. The talk is <clears throat> when a black mother sits down with her son at a very young age and discusses and breaks down how you interact and what you, you should do with law enforcement. It is an incredibly, if you think about it, it's an incredibly traumatic conversation because you're preparing your, your son at a very young age for something that he should not be thinking about, but you're preparing him for safety. And mm -hmm. I remember you having that conversation with me at the age of about like eight or nine. Mm -hmm. It was it was when you gave me the key and you was like, hey, you know, you're at an age right now where um, um, I feel comfortable for you to, you know, let yourself into the apartment as I work. You know, so you're going to give a little bit more independence and everything. And you prepared me and broke it down of how I should interact with law enforcement. A couple years later, um, in my early teens. I do remember being asked to get out of a car. I was a teenager, uh, maybe freshman, sophomore year um, of high school. And I do remember being asked to get out of a car and being handcuffed and put on a pavement as police officers searched a vehicle that they were not sure if it was stolen or not. Um, my friend was driving. But my the talk, what is that like when you are giving the talk to in this case, it was me. But what's what's like your your thought process? Well, first of all, uh, when I gave you the key and sat down and uh, gave you the talk, I mulled it over in my mind uh, the night before. I had been thinking about it for a, a, a week or so, and the night before I decided to do it, the 
most concern I had was to not make you fearful, but make you get it, what I was talking about, but not make you fearful of the police. And once you give, I knew that once I touched on the subject, there was no going back. And there was, I would even have to take it further. And when I say take it further, the way you dress. Damn. So first of all, I had to introduce you to, to the system as it pertains to the police. Then I had to take it a step further as you got a little older when you started becoming a teenager, I had to take it into the system as it pertains to your appearance. What they see, because they, they're not gonna see what I see, my sweet young man, my son. The system doesn't see you like that. And do you remember I used to always hammer that word to you, the system. And I used to get real dramatic with it. Yep. I used to get real, I, I let all the theater in me come out, the system. Yep. Because I wanted you to understand the system as it pertains to a black man. One I used mistake. to make you wear a tie. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep. You you when 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 I had the when I had the job when I had the job at Dominic's. Yes. You used to encourage me. Put on your Don't uniform. Don't take that tie put, off put, when you get off work. Yep. Put on Do your uniform when you go to work. Off. Wait and till you get in the house. Yep. Remember remember when, yep, I that, that my my uniform for Dominic's was a white shirt and black tie and used mm -hmm. to stay because I used to get off work rather late. Um mm -hmm. walk home um after mm -hmm. work and you used to say Keep that white shirt, that collared shirt, and keep that tie on when you're coming mm -hmm. home at night. That's right. Yep. That's right. So this is all a part of the talk. This is a part of the talk. And this is what no white man will ever understand and will ever have to say to their son. Yep. And they'll never for, have to say that. For, for someone who had to receive that, It's unfortunate and it's interesting that that talk will be given preteen. Mm -hmm. I would experience that in my teenage years. And to this day, as a person who works in education, mm -hmm. I have a very noble profession. Mm -hmm. um, I like what I do. But even to this day, as a grown man, as I'm driving on the street, Mm -hmm. I'm looking in my rearview mirror constantly for mm -hmm. reckless drivers and mm -hmm. police officers. And police officers. Mm -hmm. And that's something yep. that white people would never understand because if they are pulled over, um, I would imagine their first thought and response is, why did you pull me over and what did I do wrong? My first response, my first thought, if I'm pulled over and when I'm pulled over is, how can I de-escalate de this situation and not pose exactly. a threat? Because I'm not even thinking about what I did wrong. 
I'm thinking about, okay, where's my insurance card? Where's my license? Preparing am I, my am I, am I a threat again, when again, I reach I'm preparing, for my... I'm preparing for the test. <laughs> I'm preparing for the test. You're preparing for the test. Walking through mm -hmm. all those steps, my hand movement. Um, is the car properly lit? Is there proper lighting? Where is my phone? Do I need to record this? Mm -mm. You know, much too much. Yeah. For anybody to have to live under that kind of stress. Yep. It's traumatic. It's, it's very traumatic because it's in your forethought from the moment you wake up and, yep. go, and, and step out of your home to go about your normal day. You have to put this in the forefront of your thinking. Absolutely. And as people will protest. Mm hmm. And, you know, some some people uh, and again, you know, I'm I, I'm going to give this example again. You know, there will be people who protest. Um, mm -hmm. There will be employers who might feel the need to give a statement um, and and maybe start Monday and, mm -hmm. you know, acknowledging the events and everything. What also frust frustrates me is after the, the protests subside and after jobs acknowledge the brutality of what we just witnessed and things move on, there are some people who can just move on and not even think about it. For me and any other black man, there is no going back to normal. Because no. every because every single day when I get in my car and every single day when I walk down the street or I see a police officer, that's always going to be a thought in my head. And so And that is your normal. That is my normal. Thank you, that mom. You just you just normal. articulated that. Thank you. That's your normal. Yep. That's your normal, which brings me back to the neighborhood in which this happened. This must be the neighborhood normal. Because nobody, nobody came out. You said nobody came out. Nobody came out. I didn't see one porch light come on. And then the, let's talk about the other officers that converged on the scene. Should they be held accountable. I think so. They stood around just like his stepfather said. This it should the arrest shouldn't stop with the five officers. Let's deal with the ones that came afterward and didn't render any kind of a aid to the young man or call CPR. for their, you know, nobody tried CPR, nobody wiped blood from him, nobody I saw one officer bend down and tie his shoe. He yeah. was more concerned with his shoe being untied mm -hmm. than bending down to look at the young man. And one even says, sit up. As yep. the young man was coming, looking to be uh, going into unconsciousness, sit up. Yeah. They, yeah. So it's a whole lot to unpack in that uh, in that video that is just shameful, just shameful. Um, and I, I'm I'm standing with the uh, the young man uh, Tyrese uh, Nichols' stepfather on 
this should not stop with these just five officers. There are other officers who need to be uh, held accountable as well. Get those names. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, and I understand that there were uh, two sheriffs out there who obviously have rank. The mother, and again, my heart goes out to her. I, I don't even know where to begin to, to uh, offer a, a condolence. But uh, she couldn't even watch the whole video. Yeah. Understandably. Why? I couldn't barely watch it. It's it was so horrific that uh, no matter how you taper it down, you the the news media still has to issue a warning. And it, it, what they're showing it on regular news programs is a watered down version. That's the watered down version. Mm -hmm. So um, this this mother uh, and to and to have to go into the hospital because he lingered for what about a week. So his to see is, your son is, laying is face, in the hospital, his and, face uh, was as they oh said was unrecognizable. Unrecognizable, and I can I can't imagine if they going in there and seeing you laying up there with tubes coming out of you and. I don't even know if that's you and because mm -hmm. it's obvious don't even look like you. That is just too much. That is too much. That is too much for us to say uh, another day in policing. Mm -hmm. That's just not uh, where we need to be. Speaking that's on not policing, where we need to be at this point. Speaking on policing, as I like watch um, today, um, and how, you know, it continues to unfold when it's most likely going to be a protest. The, the, the first, the, the, the natural response is let's bring out the National Guard. Let's roll down tanks. Let's like have a, a SWAT. Yes. Rolling down the street because yeah. of what, 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 because because of preparation of a protest and yeah. we and and this is what I'm going to attach it to January 6th we all knew that there was going to be a protest in DC but behind the election of Biden and everything Trump mm. called for uh protests and everything like that so we all knew it was going to be a protest in in DC i didn't see no damn tanks rolling no. down the street and we knew it was going to be Exactly, white people in in DC exactly. and everything. I ain't seen no tanks. I ain't seen no no, no SWAT and everything like that. But when 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 a black community and everything is most likely preparing for a protest, and it might even be some rioting, um, let's bring out the tanks. Let's bring out the most high extreme weaponry. Yes, that we have. Yes, yes. As though, as though, police level on high alert. Yep. As if the as country it's is like being war. invaded. As, as though, though it's war. As if the country is being invaded. Yep. <laughs> you would think that we were being attacked by another yep. government, another country. Yep. 
And so yeah. if you have the capability to bring in the National Guard when you see that kind of when, when, when citizens uprise against their own. In that respect, but you couldn't do that when you had you had social media knowledge floating around that they were coming to Washington on January the 6th. It was no secret that the mm -hmm. Proud Boys and, uh, and these other factions were coming to Washington on January the 6th with weapons. Right. With we weapons. all knew what was going to happen. The, you, they all knew this was going to happen. Mm -hmm. So, you know, this is this is just, uh, you know, aside from marching, uh, protesting and uh, breaking windows and burning police cars, what else is there to do? And, but uh, deal this is at some point you have to this country has to come to face to face with what the police system is today. We all know that the police came out of slave patrols. The, the, the policing in this country began as slave patrols to capture runaway slaves. It initially involved, evolved into what it is today. Mm-hmm. So you got a system that started out uh, questionable to where it has evolved today. It had nowhere else to go but to where it is today. So what do we how do we rebuild from there? This is what we've got to start coming to terms with. How do we correct this? What do you know? The, the, You've you've taken the slogan defund the police and turned it into something else. And and here's, a, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Like you know, like from from my generation, I would even say the generation um, under me and everything. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to say I have like the answers, and I'm certainly not causing like calling for violence or anything. But mm -hmm. for the generation under me. And even the one that maybe I'm still within that range, <laughs> we tired of protesting. Exactly. We we tired of we tired of protesting, and that 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 same old song of we shall overcome. You know, of, 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 of let's let's pray, and let's call upon God and everything like that, and let's get down on one knee. My generation is not hearing that no more. Like we, that's that's when you get the rioting. That's when you get yeah. the rioting and the looting and everything. Yeah. And again, I'm not calling for violence, but I, I understand that. I so understand. I'm not calling for violence. I'm not calling for violence, but I, I understand when somebody says, I'm so sick of this and I'm so mm -hmm. um, tired of. I'm tired of waking up in the morning wondering if I'm going to go home, come home at night. Yeah, the repetition. I'm tired. I'm yeah. tired. Is, I'm tired it, of what, waking up and wondering if I'm, when I go, I just want to go to the store and get some milk and some eggs. Am I going to come back? I just want to go to the gas station to fill up my car. Mm -hmm. someone, Am I going to come back? Someone someone who is far greater than me 
and made an impact far much more than I than I have had the the very articulate quote of rioting is the language of the unheard. That's right. It is the language of the unheard, Dr. King. Mm -hmm. yep. It is the language of the unheard. And so, you know, this I, I'm like you. I don't advocate violence. I don't advocate this. But when you say that your property, your business establishments mean more to you than whether I live or breathe air, then that person is going to strike back at what you value most. Mm -hmm. That's what they're coming from. Right. That's where these young folks are coming from. They're going after what you value most because you're telling them that their lives don't matter. Their businesses, their net, their, 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 the way they make their money, their dollars, mm -hmm. their establishments, their restaurants. So, you know, um, um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I, I don't, I don't have any answers, but, um, you know, mom, I feel like we needed to to have this discussion almost as a sense yeah. of therapy, in a sense, to just mm -hmm. to um, release and, and talk and break down what you and I were feeling. Um, so, you know, this entire um, non-traditional recording, you know, this is something that, um, you know, we we just wanted to focus this entire episode on this topic and everything. And, and it was not a meant of saying we have answers or anything, but it was also a sense of maybe just wanting to be heard. Uh, I want to wrap up by just saying uh, the, uh, to our listeners, our name, look at our name, my Dukes and son. My Dukes and Son. And I remember when you you uh, first started calling me My Dukes because you always saw me as a, a fighter. Uh, yep. Whatever struggles I went through or, or went through with you, I always fought. I yep. threw these. You did. Threw these. You did. And, 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 and get you out of it. And I always had <laughs> your back. When, when you were faced with adversity of any kind, I always had your back. The mothers out there are my dukes as well. These the system does not see us that way. But we are fighters. We fight for ours. We fight for ours. And I want our listeners to 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 understand that this platform, this podcast, I hope what we brought to you today gave you some strength, some hope, some knowledge uh, to, to give to your sons and your daughters because we have some daughters that are in this system of brutality, police brutality, the Sandra Blands, that we are not gonna stop fighting for hours. 
We're not going to stop fighting for ours. That's all I have to say. Okay. Well, with that, we're going to wrap up um, this episode. Um, uh, once again, this is My Dukes and Son. I'm Ziggy Blackwell. And I'm Jeanette Blackwell. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye.